Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. Please remember to uh, to subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube, and also if you're listening on the Big Blue View Radio platform, uh, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, one of the questions that I get all the time at this time of year is regarding Giants undrafted free agents and which guys I might like, which guys I might I think might have the best chance of of making the 53-man rosters. And I have to be honest, at this point in time, we've seen two practices in shorts and t-shirts that are basically glorified passing drills, glorified seven-on-seven camps for about an hour. So it's really, really hard to get impressions of guys, but uh to give us some information on some of these undrafted players and some thoughts on what we've seen from the Giants so far, thought I would turn to the, the resident expert when it comes to undrafted free agents and a and guy who knows more college football players than just about anybody. That, of course, is Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan and, and CBS. Em, how you doing today? Doing fine, Ed. Always a pleasure to come on and shop and talk ball with you, man. Hey, so before we get into the undrafted guys, like myself, you have been in attendance at the two OTAs thus far that have been you know, that have been open to media, you know, for the Giants. I'm just curious if you have any overall impressions, anything that anything that stuck out to you, um, you know, in any of those in in either of those two workouts that that you saw. You know, it's it's funny because, uh, you know, fans that, that listen to the show and, you know, check out the reports and read you guys' articles that come from these reports, they just assume that we get all the vantage points that we want. Like, we could just roam around and see different things. A lot of times, we're just relegated to where they tell us we could stand. And so, if offense is going on this side of the field and defense is on, you know, a field two miles away, well, we can't see too much defense going on. Uh, so what we can only report is based off what we're seeing and from where we are standing and observing. So practice is a little bit unique for the people that are not there to understand why you may see a lot of the beat writers or guys like myself talk about the same type of things. Well, that because we're all standing right there watching right. the same thing. Right. We're standing. We're standing, you know, in a cluster watching <laughs> the same position drills because, you know, they happen to put us next to the linebackers and the cornerbacks. You exactly. know, while while the while the offensive line is 150 yards away on another field. So, right. so so we so we only can see what we can what we're allowed to see. So 
you know, with that being the backdrop, I, what I and I tweeted this out after the first OTA practice we were allowed to go to is that, you know, because, again, they also tell us we can't live tweet. So you can't really get too deep in what you say. Um, so I, I gave kind of a, a broad scope of what I thought based off just one practice. Like the Giants have an opportunity to play any type of game they want in the passing game based off personnel. One week it may be a big lineup. Another week it may be a small, quick, fast lineup. But the fact that they have that uh, capability is impressive because normally you'll see a team have a mix of guys, you know. But the Giants, I feel like, have a wave of personnel that can be big personnel or short, quick personnel. And I like that type of ability. Now, granted, we're talking about a depth chart that has nine or ten wide receivers. We know nine or ten wide receivers are not going to be on the final 53. But you can see schematically and conceptually what the plan is, especially with Darren Waller. Absolutely. Waller changes a lot of equations for the Giants. You know, he's a he's a he's a wide receiver in a 255 pound body, basically. And you can see from the two OTAs, I think, and obviously Brian Dable says over and over, we're experimenting, we're trying things right now, we're we're looking to figure out how things work. But you can see that the desire for the Giants is not to use Darren Waller in line very often. It's to, to use Bellinger in those roles, to use Tommy Sweeney if he makes the roster, to move Darren Waller around the formation. And in fact, if you watch these practices, Waller works out more with the wide receivers than he does with the tight ends. I have yet to see Darren Waller do a blocking drill with the tight ends. Why would you? You know, here's the thing. <laughs> Why would you when you have the movement skills uh, that he has? And it's funny because when you see him, um, you're thinking, okay, well, who's this? Who's receiver number 12? And then you look down at your roster. It's like, wow, that's Darren Waller. He's moving like a receiver, you know, almost like he's Colin Johnson or someone because he is very tall and he's very fluid in his movements. When you look at Bellinger, okay, yeah, that's a tight end, you know. Even mm -hmm. when you see a Lewis Cage, you can say, okay, Cage could be a big wide receiver, but he kind of looks like a flex tight end, which he is. Uh, Lawrence T Cage, I mean. So, you know, Waller, from a body type perspective, looks different, runs different, moves different. Um, and when you compare that with the other guys that they have at both positions, you're right. They don't put him in line because there's no need to, and we know it's a matchup problem for any defensive back to try to cover a physical wide receiver let alone a tight end by trade that's also very physical. Yeah, and I happen to agree with you as well when you look at the wide receivers. We talked to Darius Slayton the other day, and he talked about the fact that, you know, he used the word Ferraris, and, and maybe that's a little bit, you know, hyperbolic to say that. But the reality of it is we've looked at the Giants wide receivers the past two, three years and thought, Darius Slayton's the speed guy. Well, now... You know, I was kidding him the other day about maybe Jalen Hyatt being faster than he is, mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, Dar Darius Slayton, he's not taking any of that. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but he made mention of the fact that there's a lot of speed guys in the room now. And there's a couple of big guys in the room and there's a couple of route running guys in the room. I mean, there's no there's no wide receiver that's going to demand a double cover to demand that that double coverage, that extra attention. 
but there's options there. There's different, as you said, there's different ways they can play. Yeah, it is. And it's funny because this would have been a story five years ago, but it's like, no one's talking about it. Like the Giants have Jameson Crowder on the roster. Like that's just bizarre to me that this dude as accomplished as he is, no one's talking about. It. And he is someone that may end up being their wide receiver five. You know, it's, or you know, because or could be their wide receiver three, but we're talking about a, a, an accomplished veteran that still can get open. It's funny that you mentioned Crowder because I was watching the last OTA practice, and I wrote this at Big Blue View. A lot of the, a lot of times in these shorts and t-shirts, coaches talk about we look at the way guys move, we look at you know their movement skills, their quickness, all of those things. And in in watching the the wide receivers just catch passes the other day, I kept looking down at my notebook. Who's 88? Who's 88? For the simple reason that some guys, when you watch them just come in and out of your out of their breaks, some guys it just looks a little different. And even though he's been around the league for a while, I just kept thinking to myself, it looks different when he runs a route. It looks crisper. It looks quicker than than some other guys. And he didn't catch very many balls last year, but uh, but I kept looking at it, thinking, you know, maybe I need to pay attention to this guy. Yeah, here's the thing: he's a veteran receiver, well accomplished, great route runner. He's going to be missed a third down within his offense. But when we're talking about within the concept of you know, this wide receiver room, when you get to Jameson Crowder, you're probably going down four or five names before you get to him, which shows you how much they've put into the room and how much they, they're expecting to come out of it. I mean, you got Wondell Robinson coming back from injury, Colin Johnson coming back from injury. We saw him last summer in spring was about to be a starter over Galladay until he got hurt in that joint practice against the Jets. You know, and this was a guy that they were going to be you know, looked at to be, hey, this is going to be our, our big over-the-middle type guy or a big guy that could win outside, which he can. Now you add Isaiah Hodgins during the season. Now you bring in a Darren Waller who's going to probably play primarily outside. So where does Colin Johnson fit? You know, so you still have options, but it's a good problem to have because it now makes a room better. So when you do whittle down this list of, you know, 15 guys to maybe six or seven, you know you're going to keep the best seven out the group. Although seven that made the team would have earned it. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit. You know, let's turn to the undrafted free agents. And since we're talking wide receivers, I think the place to start is Bryce Ford Wheaton, the the wide receiver out of West Virginia. He's, he's also the guy that's drawn the most attention you know from the media from the fan base because he's the most recognizable name he got the most money he got the two hundred and thirty six thousand dollar guarantee which is really a drop in the bucket for the nfl but he's guaranteed a year's practice squad salary he's guaranteed you know twenty thousand dollars signing bonus and there's a lot to like there m but I, I hate to throw, you know, water on the on the fire already, but I don't see I don't see a chance that he makes the 53 man roster. I can see him making the practice squad, but I just with the depth 
and the the resumes already in the room. I I just don't see it. It's just uh, you know your thoughts on on Bryce Ford Wheaton and whether or not I might end up being wrong about that. You know it, it it's hard. It, it's tough. It's not because talent he probably won't make the fifty three. It's because and it quickly just run through this like. Is, are you taking him over Isaiah Hodgins? Are you taking him over Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt, Wondell Robinson, Colin Johnson, Sterling Shepard, Jameson Crowder we talked about? That's, what, eight dudes right there. That's a tough nut to crack. Then you got Jeff Smith, who's very underrated, good speed guy, get deep down the field, has some good years with the Jets, former Boston College. David Seals, we know the, the organization loves him. It is just crowded. It is so right. crowded. You know, so for him – he would really have to be above and beyond Victor Cruz, like who also got cut a couple times. You know what I'm saying? Right. Has to be above and beyond in these preseason games. Um, and we, we talked about a good problem to have. I mean, he's athletic, he's tall, he's long. But now, let's say you put him in the in the bucket with your Colin Johnson, your Lawrence Cager, your Darren Wallers, your Isaiah Hodgins. That's still a tough room to crack for a young guy. So I think the reason why they gave him that amount of money is because they're like, okay, we're going to try to make sure he understands how much we want him and want to continue to work with him. And they're going to probably try to keep him on the practice squad in hopes that if they do have to release him to bring him on the practice squad, the good faith that they showed coming out of uh, the draft, giving him all that guaranteed money shows them, shows him like, Hey, okay. They really like me. They want to work with me. I'll stay here and not sign with someone else. Right. Yeah. Make sure that he stays so that they can continue to try to develop him. I mean, he's he's what, 6'3", 224. I was looking at your scouting guide you know, for some of these guys. And, and a couple of the things that you wrote down was that that, you know, Ford Wheaton's got a flair for the dramatic, that he's a tough guy, that he's got that that dog mentality. But also on the flip side, everybody talks about his hands in that 11% drop rate. You know, you wrote down that he body, body catches, cradle catches too much, not, you know, and, and doesn't use his hands. And, uh, you know, just just your thoughts on on the physical skill set on the pluses and minuses with the guy. You know what that all that tells me? And, and as you're watching him, it reminded me of a lot of what we saw coming out of college from Martavis Bryant. You know, so when you're saying someone cradles the ball or someone body catches, that tells me he's better with the ball going over his head where he has the issues when the ball is coming right at him. And sometimes guys get late hands where they're trying to bring up their hands late and you see them catch either the back, the middle or the back part of the ball. But if you're getting hit at the same time that happens, that ball is likely to be dropped. Or if you're trying to turn up field, you give yourself zero room for error to try to recatch it again if you kind of bobble it to get upfield. So guys that have late hands that are not as great of hands catchers as some guys that are able to stop the point right away. So therefore, if you kind of bobble it, you can still catch the middle and then the back part of the ball. This is a guy that's probably best going deep down the field. And when you see 50-50 balls, you'll see him sky up top, and sometimes he'll try to just cradle it. But now when you focus on trying to make sure you secure the catch, you don't get your feet where they need to be because you're so focused on trying to catch the ball. So there's a that's why probably he went undrafted. And also a part of the reason why the Giants want to work with him, they're trying to make sure they kind of tear away from that. Same questions about him. Many people, including myself, has about Quentin Johnston. Difference is 
Quint Johnson runs a 4440 um, and shows fantastic rack skills. So he has a plus one in his pocket, where as opposed to Bryce Ford Wheaton, maybe has, you know, he's kind of one dimensional in that approach. But you love he competes. And when you get a guy that can compete, that will try to get better, that will work on his craft, this is what you get. And this is why you want to continue to work with a guy like that. Correct me if I'm wrong about this, too, because obviously that the Quentin Johnston comparison is a really, really good one because a lot of the same things were said about Johnston, you know, coming out of uh, coming out of TCU. When you talk about a big guy like that, you talk about, you know, body catch, cradle catch. To me, I think, well, if he's if he's doing that, especially down the field. He's not taking full advantage of the physical advantages that he's got because he's not using his hands and using his arms and using his size to its fullest ability. No, you're absolutely right. And 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 I'll and I'll to to continue to add on that, folks always question, well, well, why is body catching terrible? It's not terrible. It, there's situations for it, right? When we talk about by, one of the best body catches we've seen in NFL history was during the drive when John Elway hit Mark Jackson in the end zone, right? He had to go low and catch with his body to secure that catch, right? Almost using your body as a third hand. What happens when you're catching with your body, let's say in the scope of in the middle of the field, it limits yak opportunities, run after yards after catch or run after catch opportunities. It limits those because you tend to stop in your tracks to catch the ball, which could have could have been a 30-yard gain, ends up being a 15-yard gain because you had to focus on catching. And you know, so when you're to your point, when you're not able to just be the receiver and allow your athletic gifts to be what they are, that's what made Randy Moss Randy Moss. Like we he could be six five, run four two extend and do all those things because he was very comfortable in catching the ball away from his body or whatever. So it allowed him to not take one of his weapons away because he had to slow down to catch a ball to make sure he secures it. That's something that's different from Johnston and Wheaton. And I think that's the difference between a guy that goes in round one um, versus a guy that goes undrafted. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Absolutely. And let's talk a little bit about... Uh about some of the other undrafted guys. And I guess I'll just start with this without, you know, going down the entire list. Is there, you know, among those guys, are, is there one or two, you know, that you really have your eye on that you think, you know, this is a guy that I think really has a shot to stick? Alice Cook was my number two combo safety, right, out of Washington. And I was – Thoroughly impressed with his ball, with his ball skills and ability. And down in the, the hula bowl, I thought he had a really good week. And we know the Giants. It's funny that when you go to all these all-star games, Ed, and on the back end when you see guys either drafted or undrafted free agents, you could pinpoint where most scouts spent their time, right? Um, the Patriots, for the most part, spent their time at the NFL PA game because damn near all the draft picks and undrafted free agents were at the NFL PA game. Giants had a lot of hula bowl guys, um, you know, that they brought in. And, and even when you look at when they brought in some of those trial guys, a lot of guys from the Tropical Bowl, too, which just so happened to be the following week of the hula bowl in the same city in Orlando. Um, so you, you got to see a, a lot of what people's scouting processes were uh, from a lot of these different teams. I know the Colts were heavily at the College Gridiron Showcase in Fort Worth based off a lot of their undrafted free agents where they came from. Um, so Alex Cook, to me, stood out. Uh, one, Washington does a good job in developing defensive backs, whether it's corners or safeties. Guys tend to be interchangeable. Um, they can float across the back end. They tend to have to play all positions. And Alex Cook, to me, is someone, based off what he does from a football standpoint and how he can fit within his defense being versatile, gives them, to me, a little bit more of a fluid athlete than what they had last year in Dane Belton. But kind of like what they have on a roster and Trenton Thompson, someone that has played corner, that can play safety, that can be a good open field tackler. Cook, to me, has an opportunity to really surprise some uh, once we get the pad zone. And also, um, Deontay Johnson uh, was another one out of Toledo. You know, good pop-upon contact, good blitzer, uh, still has upside left in this game, and that's a very uh, thin position for the Giants where a guy can make some noise and have some opportunity to, to really make some hay. And I think I told you after, I want to say after the first uh, OTA, we were allowed to, you know, uh, attend. And you asked, like, who stood out to you? And I was like, you know, I was kind of impressed by Ryan Jones, a tight end from East Carolina. I, I just like how he runs his routes um, and how he's able to work himself open at the top of the route, accelerate to the football. But we know this is a, a you know, like the receiver position, it's a crowded room. So it's going to be fun to see. Uh, how he can make a dent and how he can make things difficult for the Giants to essentially make a decision to either keep him on the 53 or make sure he's secured on the practice squad. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about those three guys and their opportunities. Cook, of course, at safety. You mentioned Dane Belton and Giants, of course, lost Julian Love in free agency 
And whether they lost Julian Love in free agency or whether they whether Julian Love just made a business deci- decision to go elsewhere, I still get angry emails about Julian Love. And, and, and I'm just going to say this. By all reports, the Giants offered Julian Love more money than he got from the Seattle Seahawks. So what does that tell you? That tells you that that was Julian Love's decision to move, not the Giants pushing him out the door. So, Because I, I get tired of why didn't the Giants try harder to sign Julian Love? When they offered him more money than he took from somewhere else, I think they tried hard enough. But, you know, they're in a situation now where they have – they have to replace him and Bobby McCain will be part of that. Belton might be part of that. Jason Pinnock might be part of that. They, they used Nick McLeod at, at safety a little bit during some of the OTAs that we saw. It's just, it's an interesting sort of open competition. I wanted to ask you about Belton. The way that I look at Belton, you know, obviously got hurt at the beginning of last year played a significant amount of snaps once he came back, you know, through the middle part of the year. People keep asking me if Belton's going to be the starting safety next to McKinney. My answer to that is I seriously doubt it. And I think all you have to do is look at the playing time over the last third of last year. I don't think the Giants liked what they saw. Right. Kind of limited in, in, in his range and overall, uh, instincts you know so that's why when i talk about trent thompson well what else you bring to the table well thompson is a versatile athlete that gives you some a little bit better football iq a little bit better instinct so does alex cook you know which is why you go out and get a jason pinnock too who can play either corner or safety so they not only want to get guys that's versatile that can match up one-on-one in case they need be but guys that have good football iq and i go back to my scout report on all four of those guys and three of the four outside of Belton is one that I touted about their football IQ and talking about just how they free flow to the ball and make instincts, make plays on the ball and, and do things that kind of you see, okay, he was thinking two or three steps ahead. Belton got off to a good start um, last year. You know, he was someone that had a really good camp, but that injury kind of set him back. And so now you got to wonder, okay, if he gets back out there during the preseason, can he recapture that early uh, spring slash summer um, opportunity that he had where he was showing, you know, good awareness and good ability to get around the ball. But now you have a tougher competition, which is what you want in the secondary. So I, I do think by them looking at Pinnock, uh, Pinnock and McCain and now, you know, Thompson is someone that they like and Cook out there as a young, you know, inexpensive rookie financially it may come down to dollars and cents. Absolutely. So let's talk about Johnson and the inside linebacker competition just a little bit. One of the things that Joe Shane said a couple times during the offseason was in reference to working with the same coaching staff for a second straight year and working with Wink Martindale specifically. Joe had said, my experience has basically been with four, three teams and scouting for a team that's a base three, four in certain positions, you're looking for something a little bit different athletically, a little different skill set. And I keep wondering when it comes to inside linebacker, you know, Johnson 
is a guy, when I look at his scouting report, he talks about his coverage skills, his his sideline-to-sideline side ability. I, I keep looking at the Giants drafting a guy like Micah McFadden and thinking this is not a guy with a whole lot of real speed, with a whole lot of real range, with a lot of coverage ability, and, and wondering if McFadden's a guy that really doesn't fit what Martindale wants and thinking – you know, a guy like Johnson and and some of these other guys might, you know, might have an opportunity to steal that roster spot. Yeah, especially when you factor in uh, the upside of Johnson. You know, someone I feel like can play any linebacker spot. And when you're scouting for a 3-4 inside linebacker, you want someone that has a little bit more range. I feel like Johnson has that because of his versatility, because he also can be a, a potential uh, blitzer as well is why you kind of see Cam uh, Brown stick around. Not only is he a core special team, but we've seen Cam Brown. He has tremendous length and tremendous athleticism. Um, he can move a little bit. Um, so McFadden, I feel like, was a 4-3 weak side linebacker, maybe a, even a 4-3 Sam if you want to go that route. Um, but it, it's going to be tough for him because Johnson has the speed, the burst, the blitzing capability. Um, and upside growth because again I thought he played a lot across you know whatever they needed him to play but he did flash the potential blitzing off the corner um, at times at Toledo and oh by the way he was a hula bowl guy so funny right (laughs) (laughs) there you go so so what it uh, what what that makes me wonder you talk about specific uh, specific events like that I wonder if that tells you when push comes to shove, you know, when you look at a, a team's scouting department, I wonder if that tells you which scouts they really trust. That's a great point because, again, I, I just gave you, what, three to four teams and how they specifically had packs of players, drafted, undrafted, tryout, coming from certain all-star games. And, you know, the beauty of going to all of them, people focus on the senior and shrine, but it's really these other – five smaller all-star games that that tell you a lot about a team's uh where their heads at and how many scouts were at said events right how many mm-hmm. scouts maybe it was one scout maybe it was a pack of scouts um and i think that that now that i'm learning this this year specifically uh with the way i've seen this manifest itself on these rosters i've become much more keen in observing oh wow this is i remember seeing a, a bunch of scouts here there and now look at the players are on their roster could also mean that maybe these all-star games are doing a fantastic job just stockpiling talent because it has because of COVID the last three years we've seen an abundance of just really good talent because of everybody taking advantage of that extra year absolutely so let's talk about uh Ryan Jones tight end you're the Giants I'm I'm reminded so much of what the Giants did a year ago by them bringing Jones in. They brought in Dre Miller from Maine and, you know, converted wide receiver to play tight end H back a little bit of that. But the other guy that they brought in who did not make the roster and didn't make it, you know, with any NFL team, I believe was Jeremiah Hall out of Oklahoma Mm. guy that had Mm -hmm. a tight end and fullback background. And to me, Jones, guy that played a lot of defense his first couple of years in college. I think he played safety and then played some some linebacker 
before transferring and and uh, you know to East Carolina to, to play tight end. He's a guy that can do a lot of things. He caught a, a pretty good number of balls at East Carolina. He just reminds me of that that same skill set. Maybe the Giants taking another shot at finding that kind of a player. I am shocked that Jeremiah Hall not only didn't make the Giants, but didn't latch on somewhere else. Man, he was really good in terms of what people like in the league. They like that versatility. He could even have been a, your short yardage tailback. He had experience in doing that, too, at Oklahoma. And so when you look at Ryan Jones and you watch him run routes, and it's like, man, this dude is really fantastic at what he does. But then you almost immediately go to where is he going to fit, right? Who's mm -hmm. he, he spent you know all offseason working with Dre Miller, the, the convert, you know, so he's not gonna push him out, you don't think. And okay, we know they like Dre Miller. Um, we also know they like Chris Myrick. We know what they feel about Bellinger, and Cager is someone that gives you a little bit of that, you know, wide receiver tight end type capability. And Sweeney worked with Dayball and Buffalo. So it's hard, man. This making the NFL is so hard. And if you're a GM and or a coach, these are the problems that you want to have. You want to be able to say, man, we got to cut this talented player because we have a talented player on our we have three talented players in this position. You know? Um and, and here's the thing about that. You know, for years and years, we've looked at the Giants and you keep looking at the Giants and guys that they cut and year after year, it's like most of those guys get cut and disappear out of the league. And you hate to cut good players who, you know, who can help NFL teams. But, but when you're doing that, when you're cutting players that other teams actually want to pick up, it doesn't necessarily say you made a mistake. It's saying you've got a better roster now and you have to cut NFL caliber players. So it's actually so it, it you can look at it as a good thing. You're going to make a mistake once in a while and, and cut a guy you wish you hadn't cut. But but it's actually a good it's a good problem to have. That's where that's what why it's funny when you talk to some Jets people and they don't understand how good that Jets roster was and is Jeff Smith, Jet. Lawrence Cager, Jet. Jason Pinnock, Jet. That's the three Jets right there that was on the back end of the roster that got playing time for the Giants. I'm talking about Cager in particular. So, And they yeah. didn't get playing time for a team that won three games. They got <laughs> playing time for a team that won nine games and went to the playoffs. Bingo. So you're right. When you have a good roster, you're not, you're not necessarily cutting bad players. You're cutting good players. And for the Giants, it just makes things tough. Even it's funny because – you see a Zion Gilbert who was out there as an undrafted rookie last year who kept, you know, bouncing on the active and, you know, inactive roster. But that's a guy that has length, athleticism, toughness that meets what Wink wants to do. Remember, they brought in another guy last year in Darren Evans, who was long, lengthy, athletic corner. He ends up getting cut and latches on with the XFL's Arlington Renegades and had himself a fantastic season in the XFL and won the XFL championship. So, you're cutting guys that can that can play, but if you're the Giants, you have a good problem here. Remember, the Giants used to bring in a bunch of undrafted guys to where we were talking a, a bunch about 
a lot of the undrafted guys. But now they barely brought in undrafted guys because where are they going to fit? Right. And and that's and that means you're getting somewhere in terms of building your roster. But, you know, you mentioned you mentioned XFL, USFL. And I just wanted to ask you, you know, both of those leagues, XFL is done. USFL is is going through its season right now. Look at uh, look at the Giants roster. Just a couple of guys you might keep your eye on, or the Giants fans might keep their eyes on, as far as guys that that uh, that that might fit the Giants. You know, later on this summer as we get toward training camp, guys from those leagues. You know, it's funny because I, I kind of think he was a Giant at one point, um, and that's quarterback Case Cookies. You know. Briefly, I, I think he was. Briefly, Briefly, I think he was. And, and this was someone that had a great season last year for the Philadelphia Stars in the USFL. Is having a very good year this year. He has a mobility that you know fits this quarterback room. I think he's a better passer overall than than uh, Devito. And you know, you just hope that by the time this season's over, he doesn't have another broken leg that he suffered in the USFL championship game last year otherwise they win the championship uh with him and so that's someone that has gotten better since leaving northern arizona he was a real thin guy injury prone guy at northern arizona but was fantastic in throwing the ball reminded me a lot of how jim Everett threw the football with the rams and now you see him filled out his frame added that mobility standpoint he's a tough dude too he's he'll fight you out there on the field and can make every throw you want to make on the field i think he would be someone that I would personally bring in to kind of develop as your QB two, uh, QB three, because we know Tyrod is is an older guy, but also someone that when he had to play, let's say against Chicago, he got knocked right back out of the game. And Daniel Jones had to go out there. First of all, Saquon went out there and tried to play quarterback. <laughs> that was fun, <laughs> right? They had to bring our Daniel Jones back out there, so they need another guy. Um, I, I feel like someone like Cookus, I would bring in. Because he kind of fits what they what they have in the position, um, and could push Devito, in my opinion. Well, I think it's interesting too when you, you know, we don't like to spend a whole lot of time talking about QB three, but the NFL's new rule this year, going back to the emergency quarterback rule, I think plays in favor of guys like Cookus who have played some football at the NFL and at the XFL, the USFL level more than it might play in favor of an undrafted guy like DeVito because if you have to if you end up keeping a third quarterback and having to use a third quarterback you know, because there's an option to do that with a guy like Cookus or or any of uh, anybody you know of his ilk you're at least using a guy who's been there that so has played I, in big games too and mm -hmm. played in meaningful games that knows the severity of preparation and being ready to go if if your number is called. Uh imagine if this that we're talking about the Bears game and you know the Giants ended up winning that game, but imagine if, you know, just imagine how chaotic it was because the Bears couldn't really stop the Giants and you know if because they couldn't move the ball after, you know, guys got banged up. Now you throw a Cookus in there, you feel much better about your chances to close out that game as you would if you were to throw out a rookie 
in his undrafted rookie in his first, you know, live action in the heart of a game, Cook is at least you know has played in the championship game, has played high level football. That would put you in a better position. All right. So uh so M, before I let you go, why don't we uh why don't I let just let you uh let folks know if you've got anything going on this summer project wise that that you'd like people to know about, you know, before uh before the college football season kicks off again uh here in a in a couple of months. Well, just follow me on social media at Fball Game Plan on Twitter. Uh check me out on CBS Sports HQ. We'll be popping on all throughout the summer previewing nfl uh talking some cfl as well because cbs now carries cfl games so you'll see me talk a little bit more cfl no one in this industry has the range that i have ed (laughs) Um, and if folks want to uh pre-order the 2024 draft guide it's available for pre-order at footballgameplan.com slash 2024 draft guide or and or if you want to just get 2023 Go to footballgameplan.com slash 2023 draft guy. It's already there. M, I got to give you a hard time about one thing. How many players in your draft guide, 2023 draft guide? 1,064, I believe. I found one who's not. Ryan Jones ain't in there. Ryan Jones isn't in there. Well, that you know who else isn't in there is Cam Lyons, the long snapper that the Giants brought in. <laughs> Come on. I don't know if I ever get to a point Ed, where I'll sit, I'll sit there and grade long snappers and kickers. Now, I, you oh, know what come I mean? On. You got to have somebody that'll do that for you. I have to find someone that can grade specifically that position for me. Because I mean, how do you grade long snappers outside of just timing who gets the ball back quickly? You know what I'm saying? Like it's just so it's a weird, unique position. Punters, I, I should be able to grade and and kickers. Kickers are, are harder too. It's usually just punters. I can okay, yeah, this dude can can punt the ball. You know what I'm saying? But everybody <laughs> else is kind of like, yo, how do you grade those positions? Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. You got to find somebody that can do that for you, M. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you as always, uh, and hopefully we'll get you back on. You know, somewhere around training camp. Look forward to it, Ed. Thanks again. All right, Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please take care of each other. Stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.